coming November 15th, a brand new season of That's What She Did podcast. We'll be bringing you 10 inspiring women you probably don't already know. On this new season of the podcast, we are shining a light on women that are at the intersection of activism and storytelling. They're fearlessly using their art, expression, and personal narratives to change the world. You're going to hear from actors and playwrights, poets and artists, filmmakers and authors. There are women unapologetically challenging the status quo, and you need to hear their stories. Prepare to be inspired. This season, our fourth, is going to be pure fire. You don't want to miss this. Find it wherever you get your podcasts or on our website. That's what she did podcast.com. Hey there, inspiration junkies. It's me, your host, Tangi Renee, and you are listening to season four, episode 10 of That's What She Did podcast. Well, friends, this is it. The final episode of season four, the activists and storytellers season, where we focused on sharing the insights, stories, and inspiration of women who are at the intersection of activism or advocacy and story. I've loved every episode of this season, and I'm so grateful to our guests for sharing themselves with us, but also to you, our listeners, for giving us your time and attention, and I especially want to thank you all so much for sharing the show. Your shares are how this show is continuing to grow, and I appreciate you so much for your support. Please keep sharing the show and talking about it with your friends and family. Before we jump into the rest of this episode, I want to tell you about our up and coming live show happening on March 26th at History Colorado in downtown Denver. We are so thrilled to be partnering with History Colorado to bring together notable Latina activists. We're going to have a fun panel of incredible and inspiring women. And if you are in the Denver area on March 26, which also falls in the middle of Women's History Month, you're definitely going to want to join us. Make sure you are following us on social media, either on Instagram or Facebook. And make sure you get on our mailing list so that you can get the official invite with all of the deets as soon as it's available. We just confirmed it today, so I'm so excited to let you know that this is definitely happening. And it's a beautiful venue. The History Colorado Museum is going to be a really great time. In the meantime... I will be gearing up for season five, which will release in March for Women's History Month, which is our tradition. This March marks two years of this show. In season five, we will be focusing on women who disrupt, and we will be bringing you incredible and inspiring women who are disrupting industries, organizations, ideas, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, do you or someone you know fit the description of a woman who disrupts? If you want to be considered for a guest spot on the show, go ahead and send me an email to that's what she did podcast at gmail.com, letting me know why you or someone you know is a perfect fit for the show in season five. Now, let's jump in to this, our final episode. For me, this season was special. Now, of course, I appreciate every guest. But there was something about this season, season four, that was really standout for me. So as a closer for this season, I want to bring you a roundup of some of our favorite moments. 
this season, in addition to just being very special to me personally, because I love the guests so much and everything felt like it came together just perfectly. The season also really pushed my thinking on a couple of different topics and pushed me to become a better interviewer and storyteller. I had a few big takeaways, some of my biggest lessons being this. When taking part in storytelling of any kind, which is what we do here, we need to be aware of the narrative we are telling. We also need to reevaluate our intentions when we are doing so and make sure we are using our platforms to help and uplift others. The women that have appeared on this show really drove home both the power and importance of storytelling in all its various forms. Each woman that has been here with us as a guest, especially this season, have used story in their own unique ways to uplift others, and that is exactly what I hope to do with this show. Through the women that have been on this show and really looking at the intersection of activism or advocacy and storytelling, you really see the power of story and the many ways that it can be used as a weapon to break down people, communities, ideas, or as a tool for empowerment. I want this show to be a tool for empowerment. Moving forward, we're hoping to continue to build out a platform that connects women, empowers them to tell their stories, and inspires them to create positive impact in the world. Now, to that end, here are some of our favorite moments from this season. First up was episode one, where actor and activist Ian Fields Stewart discusses the importance of valuing yourself and refusing to sell your soul in the pursuit of success. My soul is not for sale. My beingness is not for sale. That happened, you know, that happened to my ancestors. I've learned, you know, they've taught me what I need to know. I'm not selling my beingness, my soul. I'm not selling that to you. What I'm selling to you is I'm selling you, you know, the fun actress who's a great person to have in a room and she's a great talent. That's what I'm selling in an audition. When I'm coming in as you know, a consultant. I'm selling you, you know, someone who's smart, capable, and who you can rely on to bring you a great, to like make sure that your work is important and like is offensive. That's something I'm selling. What I am not selling is someone who is, whose beingness is just readily available to you whenever you want it there. Um, And I think that part of it for me was was actually like going to therapy and like doing the work to kind of, because I think this is something that happens to us, not just in like professional space, but this is something that happens to like women of color and black women specifically, wherever we find ourselves existing openly. You know, there is always someone who, when we are in mixed company, where someone is looking to us either out of the corner of their eye or just looking at us directly and asking us to be the voice of X, Y, Z, you know? And, and I think that, whether you be a queer black woman, a trans black woman, a cis black woman, whoever you may be, right? your um, vision and your beingness and your soul is not for sale. It's not just for public consumption. We are not public commodities that belongs to whoever wants to get a piece of us. In this next clip, visual artist Adri Norris talks about the unique humanness of storytelling and how story is really the tie that binds and connects all humans together. 
we're humans. You know, humans have been storytellers from the beginning of language and from the beginning of art. You know, the initial, the first cave paintings ever were the story of the hunt. And I don't know if they had the spoken word at the time. So maybe the pictures, you know, told it for them. But like stories of the way we pass down, have passed down knowledge since before the written word. You know, we are, we are, we are created to hear and retain and resonate with stories. Mm-hmm. So I feel that, um, you know, and, and history, it's got the word story in it. Unfortunately, it's not been told like stories, especially when we we're in schools. Mm-hmm. So a lot of us don't really see the value in it. But once you get like the story of how events unfolded, and then you pair that with the story of who was telling the story in the first place and realizing that, you know, that shift in perspective created a shift in how the story would have been told mm-hmm. and how things, you know, might be different than what we originally thought. In episode three, I talked to an incredible poet and activist, Sunny Red Bear Whitcomb, about the healing nature of the written word. Her soulful explanation of healing through story was definitely one of my favorite moments this season. So writing can be a really scary thing, but I think one of the the scariest things about writing is being able to get it out of your head and out of your, your spirit and your heart, putting it on paper and actually reading it. And for me, that was like a huge part for me of like validating what I was going through because now there's words to it. Now there's things to describe it. Now it's out of, out of me and on a piece of paper. And part of that is scary in a sense that it makes it very real, mm-hmm. like so real that like you're not sure if you want to see it or not, you know? But for me, as I began to write, um, the more I released, the more I, I realized that those those words and those thoughts were not mine to carry, but to express. And so writing definitely gave me an outlet to express the things that I went through and to use it and to express it in an artistic way. So like in a in a way that wasn't just like, you know, word for word for word of what happened to me. I don't think I've actually written um, anything that I've just gave a descriptive, you know, detailed writing of my experience, but I've always used it in an artistic way of like what that may, what that feeling may have looked like, Mm -hmm. you know? And so those are definitely things that I, how I use my writing, you know, to, with my healing for, you know, my experiences. Next up is a clip from episode five, where we had Syra Rao and Regina Jackson on to talk about their initiative called Race to Dinner. Now, this episode was definitely the most talked about episode of the season and probably the most controversial by far. In this clip, Syra and Regina explain why telling your story can be risky and what someone may risk in daring to put themselves out there, but why it's still important to do so and take that risk anyway. Give it a listen. 
I have been since coming out as a racialized person in some ways. It's like it's someone a black woman recently described it as like coming out of the closet and you lose a whole lot of people when you do that. And I've lost, I would say, 95 percent of the people from my former life. Mm-hmm. And um, they didn't they don't like it. They don't like the way I speak. They, they think I'm a re- reverse racist. I'm angry. I'm this. I'm that and the other. They don't want to hear it. I've been tone policed. You know, if you just said things differently, um, you know, you've now crossed a line. What are you doing? And this is all from a place of scarcity. And this a lot of us don't speak up because of scarcity. What happens if we lose all of our friends? Guess what? I have awesome friends. Regina, I trust Regina with my life. You know, you make new friends who actually see your whole self mm-hmm. and see your humanity. Um, what happens professionally? I mean, white people weaponize economics against us all the time. And it has happened. Yeah. I have lost this, that and the other. But again, this is back to if you can truly stand and, and I'm coming from a place of privilege, being able to do this. I recognize that. But if you can stand in the notion that I'm giving the finger to false notions of scarcity, other things open up. Mm-hmm. Race to dinner has really taken off. I'm starting a nonprofit that I'm actually having a pretty easy time funding right now because people want to invest in me. Not the, not the people from before, but all new, new people. people. Mm-hmm. And guess what? There are white women that I have met in the past three years who have become very close friends because they've met me in my post-racialized self. <laughs> they see me as a brown woman because I see myself as a brown woman. In episode six, I had the opportunity to speak with poet Angelica Maria Aguilera. In this clip, she calls out the power that telling your story can bring you personally, if you're willing to take that risk. She says it far better than I ever could, so check it out. For me, a big thing I think about when it comes to storytelling is reclaiming narratives. Um, So, I mean, specifically women, there's, there's parts of the world where women still don't have a voice, right? Where just speaking up puts them in danger. So I think just in that sense, right? Like women speaking up and saying, I demand this. Um, This is what I am. This is what you're going to call me. Like that is so liberating and that is so powerful, right? Um, So I think, yeah, I think in a world that is kind of constantly trying to silence us, right? Whether it's saying that we're crazy, you know, that's a form of silence. you know, we're overreacting, we're being dramatic, this, that, and the third. Like there's so many different channels that are trying to silence our voices. And when we get up on a stage and we share our story and we share our experience unapologetically and demand what is ours, there's so much power, um, not only in the individual that's doing that, but in the room of women that are seeing a woman do that and realizing, wow, also I have power, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, it's really about claiming power that is ours and that is abundant in all of us um, and giving ourselves permission to take that space up and say, this is my story. This is what's mine. This is what I'm demanding, right? In episode seven, I spoke with digital storytelling expert Jasmine Chavez, who helped break down the duality of how data is used in the digital world to craft narratives. It was a super interesting conversation because we really dig into the power of narrative. And I think a key takeaway from this episode and Jasmine's expertise is that he who can effectively control the narrative has a whole lot of power. Give it a listen. 
there's also storytelling within data that is just really valuable and and that data that exists online like there's a lot of bad that could absolutely be done and i think we've seen some of the worst of it done with with 2016 elections i think we've actually seen some of it still happening today even with the impeachment proceedings there's a really great article recently coming out about there's actually two narratives that are being played out in the proceeding and one is obviously what the public is seeing on like cnn msnbc and there's another one and it's a republican tactic and i will say this I don't know which, you know, how your users sway in the political spectrum, but the Republican Party has always been really great. And they've actually, they've really outgamed progressives for a while now. And what they're doing, even during this impeachment proceedings, is that they are asking like the weirdest questions, but they're asking them to be able to create content for like the Breitbart and the conspiracy theories of the work world. And so what you're saying in terms of seeing two different narratives play out or two different things that we're seeing, you're absolutely right. That is exactly what's happening. But at the same time, I think there's opportunities for us to be able to use data or even like digital data, right? Like if we think of like voter suppression in, in regions like in the South, or if we looked at even the Black Lives Matter movement in terms of how they use digital media to really amplify the stories of police killings of African-Americans across the country. Like if we didn't have, if we had a regulated internet, those stories might not come out. That And, and it doesn't make sense. We don't want to control the internet so much that there isn't a freedom of, of people being heard because it's one of the last places where people can actually like be authentic and we can share stories and things can get out much faster than if it was something that was regulated because then the question is who's regulating it? Right. Who, who gets to decide what comes out and what doesn't come out? And then in terms of the data, there has been a lot of advancement in terms of like, you know, there was a moment there where there was also a lot of like proprietary lending that was happening through like apps yeah. and like Facebook ads targeting, you know, people with like specific credit scores. That kind of stuff is like, is terrible. We shouldn't be using that, but then there's also opportunities where you can use data to be able to help communities in a way to show like an impact in a certain way and use that data to do good. In this final clip of our season four roundup, I had a really great conversation with social commentator and writer Mickey Kendall. She talked about the use of graphic novels, comic books, to tell stories throughout history that go beyond just entertainment for children. She really drives home the use of more visual forms of story to teach and engage adults as well as kids. I really enjoyed learning from her and how she is helping put history into context for those of us that probably fell asleep in history class. It was really interesting and eye-opening for me because it was just a world that I don't really think about. I'm not a comic book geek like some people, and I just loved what for me was an innovative approach to topics that most of us can't remember because they're taught in a way that aren't ideal for us individually. So check it out. It's the place, in my head anyway, where people who are into graphic novels and people who are not into graphic novels can meet. One of the things to know about Americans, not just about Americans, is that many people read at a seventh to 10th grade level. It is not necessarily that they're bad readers, that they're not interested in reading, that they can't learn, but that for the way they learn, that lack of visual cues makes reading off-putting, right? That wall of text, black letters, white page, for a lot of people, it just gets tedious, right? Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that they don't want to learn. It just means that their learning style might be visual, it might be auditory. There are a lot of better ways sometimes to teach. Last night, I had an event at Women and Children First Books here in Chicago. And a woman who was probably in her late 50s came up to me and said, this is so good for me because I'm 
I have ADD. It's harder for me to pay attention. So I read a lot of graphic novels because then it, the pictures grab my attention and they keep me focused. And so I wanted this to be for people who weren't necessarily good readers but wanted to learn, wanted it to be for kids who frankly have been learning history in a way that makes them think it's not for them and not about them. I wanted it to be for people like you who might think, oh, this is like a comic book thing and I'm not going to get into it because there comes a point where you start to think, wait, this is really pretty. If nothing else, the pictures are going to grab your eye and you're going to read the words. You're going to learn a bunch of stuff and you're going to do just exactly, you did exactly what I want people to do, to go back and be like, wait, what did I miss? Mm -hmm. What am I looking at? And there, this is the design to be something people will want to read more than once. I put a lot of information into it. I am totally aware that it's a lot of information. I don't expect anyone to remember everything they see the first time. I want people to want to read it again. Right. To want to go back and look up something. To want to read it someone's name and look at the index and be like, I'm going to Google that person. I find her curious. I find her fascinating. Right. I don't care what grabs your attention as long as your attention is grabbed and you're now paying attention to history. Well, that's it. Our total roundup of favorite moments from all of season four. The truth is, is that there were so many great moments this season that we couldn't possibly include them all. So we did our best. My editor and I, Bex, went through and tried to pick some of our favorites. So we probably left some out and I'm sorry about that, but time is of the essence. I had a blast creating this season and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. As a reminder, we come back in March for Women's History Month. That's just a couple months away. But in the meantime, make sure you join us on March 26th for our live show with History Colorado. Put it in your calendar right now. Make sure you're following us on Instagram and Facebook for updates and go to our website for new details as they are available. Please do not forget to share rate and review the show wherever you are listening to this podcast. Well, friends, that's it. It's a wrap. Thank you so, so much for another great season. I've loved creating this show. I've loved getting your feedback. And I always want to hear more from you. If you have suggestions on who should be profiled and included on this show, if you think you should be on this show, if you have comments and feedback, you want to partner and do a live show, you want to just give us some tips or information, whatever it is. I love hearing from the listeners. Shoot me an email at that's what she did podcast at gmail.com. And I'm probably most active on Instagram. So follow us there at that's what she did podcasts. Until next time, you guys, I can't wait to connect with you again. Have a good one. I'll see you in March or you'll hear me in March. I'm out. Smooches.